Hi, and welcome to the farm. Today we're here in Canamble talking with Steph. Hi, Steph. Hi. <laughs> we're talking, so you've married a farmer, now what? So, Steph, start by introducing yourself. Okay, well, I am Steph Borowski, and I married a farmer, but originally I come from a little place called Jervis Bay, which is south of Sydney, about two hours, and it's quite picturesque. It's very beautiful. It is. So, yes. A big change. A huge change. I think I didn't actually realise where my husband lived or the seriousness of how far from the middle of nowhere that was <laughs> until sort of getting into the relationship a little bit more. But when we first met, I had no concept of where Canamble was or just how far yes. away it was. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the scenery and your days at Jervis Bay and then tell me how that has changed now you're here on the farm. Okay, well, growing up, I actually, to be honest, I don't miss the ocean. So I'm not an ocean girl, but I am a river girl. So I grew up um, water skiing yes. most weekends with my family, which I have found out since that people do water ski out here. We do, yeah. But I'm not into lining up for a go, you know. <laughs> like, where I'm from, we had the whole river to ourselves, mm -hmm. apart from, you know, high season like Christmas. But, yeah, so... Typical day would be just going to school and then coming home and in summer always going out for a water ski in the boat with yep. my dad and my mum and my <laughs> brother and sister. Yes. So yeah, that's a big change to coming out to the farm. Yeah. And I suppose now that's changed is it's just the complete opposite of that now. Yes. I think more than anything, that the thing that shocks you the most when you live in the country, or when you've come from the coast, is just the distance, the vast difference in how long it takes to get everywhere. Everywhere. And anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So. Excellent. So, Steph, how long have you been on the farm? And what was the adjustment period like? Tell me about when you moved. Okay. Well, I've been on the farm for nearly 15 years. Yeah. But four or five of those were a transition period. So, I was at uni for a time and coming back and forth to the farm with Josh and then got married in my last year of uni. And I basically just didn't go back to uni. I did the rest via distance. Yeah. And I stayed out here. And do you know, I actually think that apart from the initial shock of it all, like the first time I drove to the farm. <laughs> I Sorry about that, that sounds like <laughs> there's a big story. So before we continue any further, I would like to give a shout out to today's supportive link, Monty Compost. Their affiliate link and sponsorship is down in the description below. They are offering 5% off their composting Monty unit which is a game changer for your compost and worm farms. If you are having trouble with your compost, either it's too dry or you're not getting the ratios or it's starting to smell, there is no need for your compost to be like that. So look at the affiliate link down below. If you have any questions, do give a shout out and I will link Monty Compost below if you'd like to contact them for further information as well. Okay, well the first time <laughs> I drove to the farm, I was in a little Toyota Corolla and I was coming from Newcastle, so I came down Coolar Way. Yeah and went through Binaway and those little towns. And I was driving, I had also seen Wolf Creek on, you know, recommendation of my friends who had said, this is what it would be like to live in the middle of nowhere. And um, so that was in plain in my mind. It was getting on dusk. I hit a roo for the first time in my life. I'd never hit a roo before. Yeah. Um, so I hit a roo and I was just, I just stopped. I just stopped. I think I was between Kula and Coonabarabrim. Yeah. And I rang my, hu my husband, he wasn't my husband then, but I rang Josh and I just was like, I can't drive any further. Something's going to happen. He was like, what's wrong? What's happening? And I was like, I don't know. I'm in a room and I just, I can't come any further. And so he literally drove with his parents as well because they were like, oh, she must be really, you know, why is the car okay? Did the car get damaged? No, nothing. 
I was just literally like, I will not go further than this line. It is too scary. I will not come to the bush. <laughs> That's too much. I couldn't do it. And so he drove with his parents for like two and a half hours to then drive me home in my Corolla. Yeah, that was my first experience driving to the farm. They drove you back towards Newcastle? No, they no, drove me to, to the, the farm. farm. Yeah. They're like, on the horse girl, get on the horse. Yeah. But he drove me, so that's yeah. why they dropped him to me. Yeah. But yeah, so to answer your question, there was that. That was the initial yeah. like shock. But after that, and I started to get to know the people, it was everything. It was just yeah. beautiful. And I've never felt so um, loved and sort of, yeah, accepted in a community. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just country people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Beautiful. So that's the adjustment to sort of getting to the farm and, and being part of the community. So what type of living situation were you in when you were first on the farm? Did you move into the main homestead with Josh and his parents or into a workers' cottage or how did that transition look? Oh, that's a good question. Because um, it can be interesting for <laughs> a lot of people. So we were lucky enough that my parents-in-law had a little workers cottage just close to their house sort of spitting distance across and so we moved in to that for a time and it was sort of yeah it was fine and um i worked in town at the local school for a while and then a little while later we wanted to get a a, um, bit more land and so when we were buying more land we just looked for a, a, a portion that had a house on it and then we were able to move into that. Beautiful. And what was that time period like? Um, how long did it take to move from the <laughs> the granny flat into into the new block? <laughs> well, I years, can't remember months. I can't remember the years. It was probably years. Like it was yep. probably two years or something. But I do the funniest thing I remember and I think if you work in close proximity with your family you'll remember these things. But just most mornings my father in law would whistle. Yeah. To, to be like, Josh, where are you? Like, we've got to go. Because <laughs> it's so close. Because it's so close. <laughs> and so I, I always just remember thinking, what am I doing? Where, like, my father-in-law can just whistle and be like, guys, come on. I was like, we are very close, you we know? We used to get the bike horn. <laughs> yeah, okay, like, hurry up. So, yeah, I think that was quite funny. But I actually get along with my mother-in-law so well. I'm so lucky with her. She's just beautiful. And so we loved it. I just, we were painting a lot of the time together and just having a great old time. It was sort of all before kids, which was just yep. this really, really special time when, you know, it's not stressful because you don't have little ones. And I just got to really immerse myself in being part of the farm and going out and doing things with everybody yep. on the farm and stuff. And then cooking with my mother-in-law and painting. And that's just how we used to spend the days. It was the best. Beautiful. <laughs> so what is the operation that um, Josh and his family and you are now involved in? Um, we run cattle and cropping. Um, cropping? and cereal crops, I mean, yeah. cattle and crops. Yeah, so we, when I first came to the farm, I think we did sheep a little bit, but it didn't, not for long. Yeah. So we've mainly just in cattle and cropping. And um, But he's one of three boys as well. So he works with his um, older brother as well, and then also his dad. His younger brother is in England at the moment. But yeah, so it's a really big farming operation, family farming operation, I mean, yeah. just in that everyone is still really involved, which yeah. is lovely. And is everyone involved in all as- aspects of the farm or do they all have sort of a section that they manage and then umbrella under the company? Um, everybody, the boys mainly do everything. Yeah. Mary and I and Jules, we just support the boys yeah. to do that. I mean, um, yeah, so everyone has their roles within the farm, yeah. but I don't have a very front seat role in the running of the farming operation at all. Yeah. 
which I'm fine with. Yes. Because <laughs> I have other things I like to do. So that leads me into my next question perfectly. So what does a usual day look for you? I know there's no normal day yeah. in farming. Each day is so different. But as a general feel. Yeah. Well, I think before having children, it was much more flexible and involved with the farm. So I didn't do, not that the boys really needed me, but I was, I enjoyed getting out there on the quad and mustering cattle and being in the cattle yards with Josh and doing things like that. I loved that kind of thing. Um, I didn't love to sit on a tractor for hours and hours on end, except to maybe keep Josh company, yeah. but I was never like, yes, teach me to drive the tractor, that's what I'll do. <laughs> no. But um, now that I've got kids, they kind of rule the, you know, the day and how things go. So it's always bus run first thing in the morning, of course, yeah. and then back home to clean up after the chaos of that. Yeah. And then I do do a lot of cooking because we, we often try and have a meal during the day rather than in the evening. Yeah. And um, and then it's just gen in general being there to support um, the boys, but usually just Josh if you need something. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the farm, yeah, I don't do a lot on the land with with the guys, but then I've you know I've also got my own stuff going on now, which is really cool too. Yeah. And um, yeah. <laughs> what would be the biggest lessons you've learnt since being on the farm? Oh, I think communication yeah. is everything. Yeah. I think in across all aspects of farming it's something that we as a community could do better yep. um, and so I don't just mean in family farms obviously the communication and you know the, the topic of succession planning and all of those aspects that are very um, sort of I guess difficult and close to people's hearts then that's obvious to me but I think communication in terms of what you need as a spouse when you move to a farming operation, it's really important that you're able to find the words to communicate that to your partner. Yeah. Because, well, if, I, I guess because they grow up on the land, it's, this life is normal for them. It's everything they've always known. But when you come as an outsider in, you, you have to be able to articulate then, yeah, what you might need and it might not be something they, they would automatically get. Yeah. Or, or, or pick up on. So Is that yeah. along the lines of um, stability and position in the family, not only currently but in the future? Yeah, it, well it can be from anything from that right down to, you know, when you become a new mum and you need support with the baby and you're not really sure what it looks like because, you know, your mum doesn't live five minutes down the road anymore and yeah. you, you don't maybe have that support network that you usually would have. Yeah. And also your position in the family business and what that looks like and just getting those things clear, I think, even before you get married, get those things clear. Like, it's yeah. so important. And I think it's something that we don't talk about enough yeah. because it's it's difficult to talk about. But it's, I think, probably my top, top piece of advice would be to work out a way and make sure those things are being communicated before you, yeah, before you go into yeah. a family farming business. And it can be hard because a lot of them are what if. Yeah. And a lot of the, it's a lot of it is the unknown. I won't know what support I need until I need it. That's right. Parenting and, and becoming a mum for the first time is, is unique and hard enough as it is with um, the unknown. And then you add farming in mm. on top. So sometimes it's, it's having those conversations, the what if scenarios, and they're hard to talk about because sometimes they feel a bit silly. Yeah. But if you've had the, the what ifs, um, and you've let that conversation 
go in weird and wonderful positions than it yeah. does it does and it can set you up in yeah. the future. And I think as long as you as long as you know that the line of communication is open. I think that's the biggest thing. And I've never sort of had any trouble with that with Josh because we've always been such such good communicators. So even though I might not have even known what it was going to be that I was going to ask, yeah. I knew I could ask it anyway. Yeah. So yeah, and so that's maybe my number one. Number two would have to be get two freezers and get two washing machines and get a leaf blower. <laughs> a leaf blower, that's a different one. <laughs> well, like, we went through four years of drought. Yes. Oh, yes. my gosh. And sweeping is just, no, that's yeah. not a thing, yeah. you know. And now I will just never sweep again. I will always just use my leaf blower. Yeah. And I just think it's such a good, <laughs> I have such a good piece of advice because I struggled for so long with a broom. And then um, I think it was maybe my mother-in-law, one day we were watching the boys and they were blowing out their shed with all the dust and we were like, that's what we need for our verandas. Yes. And so that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, and the two washing machines has just been a game changer because, of course, you've got, like, chemical or grease or whatever yeah. that I like to be able to keep separate yeah. and just keep... And it's so much washing. There's just so much washing. Yeah. So it's just multiple, being able to do multiple loads at a time. Yeah. And then, of course, freezers because we live in the middle of nowhere and storing... 20 butters is normal for me. Yes. And 10 milk. That's normal to see in yeah. my freezer. Just pull it out of the freezer. Yeah. 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 So. Oh, we're two thirds the way through the milk. I'll get the next one. Yeah. 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 Which people can't quite believe. A lot of people say to me, oh, you can freeze milk. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's so yeah. good. You know, bread, milk, milk cheese, butter, a lot. <laughs> a lot. So good. Yeah. Lemon curd. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's really good. I did a video on um, like the washing oh, side of it. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, yes. You will wash everything and you oh. will become a stain master. Because no, oh, I just, yeah, like my sister, she can let her kids go outside after a bath. Yeah. You know, like they have a bath, they're all clean, and then they go play on the trampoline on their beautifully manicured lawn and everything stays clean. <laughs> and I'm like, my kids aren't allowed on the veranda after their bath because they're just going to get trashed. <laughs> we do bath beds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no, there is no lingering after that. If they touch a wall, they're probably going to get dirty yeah. again. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think they're my my three top tips. Yes. So tell me that probably goes into the drought with the drought with all the dust. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you guys manage the drought and how that sits with the family. How did that change the dynamic? Look, I think the drought puts a lot of stress on you know every every aspect of a community within rural areas because. You know, in the media, a lot of people speak about the farmers, of course, but there are so many knock-on effects Absolutely. of that. Particularly and for small towns. Yeah, particularly for small towns. Um, because, you know, if the people who are usually investing into the town are not making any money, then, of course, the small businesses in those towns suffer. And, and you know, even down to necessities, it just becomes everyone is, is you know, strapped and trying to just make ends meet and just... But basically because you just don't know how long it's going to go on for. And so I think, like every family, we experience stress, like every family did in the drought. But in essence, I just feel that it brought us closer together. Although I think that it was a very difficult time for our babies, not knowing, not knowing, I think now, not knowing then what I know now, and how they're, they're affected by adults' stress, yep. and them being just in proximity of the financial difficulties that families went through during droughts, and ours included, um, how that may have affected them, just yeah. just being in a stressful environment like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just think, again, that's when those lines of communication 
come into play in a big way yeah. when you're when you're under pressure like that and you need to all be able to talk and communicate and work out a way forward and what you're going to do and how you're going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And did, what did that mean for you domestically at the house as well? Like what's your water supply like and how did that change the way you did things at home and with the kids? Well, we're actually quite lucky that we're on a bore. Yeah. And so water supply for us was not really an issue. We could still water our gardens. We weren't sort of um, relying on tank water for that. So we only ever drink our rainwater. We've, we ne we've never used it to wash in or you know do household chores with. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't really any, any worries there because we have the artesian basin yeah. supplying us. Which where, yeah, it's hard water, but it does the job, um, especially in a time like that. So water was not really a big issue in that sense. Yeah. Like we did have people actually offering, not really understanding the situation, but offering to buy us water or water for our cattle and things like that. So yeah, so beautiful. But for us personally, we weren't in that situation. We had friends that were trucking water in, yeah. um, but for us personally, it wasn't it wasn't like that, yeah. thankfully. Yes, yeah, that would be very stressful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Was it like that for you guys? We're on bore as well. Yeah. Um, and... So our rainwater tank didn't see rainwater for three and a half years. Wow. Um, so you guys were drinking the bore water? We were drinking the bore water. Wow. Yeah. 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 And that was fine? It was. Yeah, we had it tested yeah. when we knew that that was going to yeah. have to be our option. Um, we got it tested just to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think bore water usually is pretty good. It just tastes a bit different. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. And if, since drinking rainwater, yeah. I can't really come at bore water. Yeah. But our bore water is particularly strong too. Yeah. You know, you get some that almost taste like rainwater. It's so beautiful. Yeah. But others... Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> we didn't have any of that sulfuric or anything oh, in it that nice. comes up in some bores. Yeah. We actually had more issues in the wet with our bores. Oh. So we were worried that the stress of all this relying on the stock troughs yeah. might do damage to our bores. Um, but they held on, okay. which was really good to know. Yeah. Um, and really, really lucky that we had the infrastructure. Yeah. To have, be able to have the access to it. Access to yeah. it. And where we fell in a bit of trouble was actually in the wet season when we had so much rain over a fortnight period that our bore sunk. Oh. It turned into a sinkhole and oh. it just opened up and so we actually had to run pipe from the neighbour um, to actually keep going with our troughs until we could sort the bore out because we needed the ground to dry up enough yeah. to get on it yeah. and then we needed to re-drill, re-pipe, re-line. Wow. So, um, that's massive. That was it was a huge job. And I think that's something that people from you know, if you're in a built up area, even something like your sewage, your rubbish, all of these things that when you when you grow up in suburbia like I did, it's it's all someone else takes care of that for yeah. you. And then you come out here and all of a sudden that job falls on you. Yeah. And you know, every farmer knows how to do all these things, these extra things yeah. that usually we'd be relying on someone else to do. Even fighting fires. Yeah. I remember the first fire that happened in our next door neighbour's place and my husband woke me up and he was like, we've got to go, there's a fire, but you stay here. And I could just see these flames and I was like, no way, I'm not staying here. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd call triple O. I was like, I have to call triple O. Yeah. I was like, no, don't worry about triple O. They're not going to get here. I, I'm, yeah. I've got to go. I've got to be with all the guys. I've got to yeah. go. And I was just in a total panic. I just had no idea. Yep. And it was a nightmare. I crashed my parents' car, my parents in law's car, yeah. into a fence because I was so worried and I just freaked out. And it was just, You were trying to get somewhere. I was trying you to get somewhere. Just okay, I did this. I thought, 
watching. <laughs> yes, I was going to run their car into a fence. No, I was following. I was. That's another thing I hadn't learned about not following in someone else's dust. Yes. Close, close behind. Yep. Give the space. Give the space until the dust settles. And I was in a panic, and I had got the other two girls that were living in my house to jump in the car. Josh had already taken off, but there was not a breath of wind, and so the, the dust was sitting there. Yeah. And it was like three in the morning. Yeah. And so I was just driving. I wasn't going fast, but I, I saw the fence come up, and I, I didn't want to turn the car and roll yeah. it, so I just I just told the girls to hold on. Yeah. And then we just went straight through the fence. Race position. Yeah. I was like, race yourselves. <laughs> and they did, and it was fine. And then we reversed out, and I could still see the fire coming, and then we were connected to the fence. The, the wire had wrapped around underneath the car. So I was on my belly under the car, like trying to get this barbed wire off. Yeah with the fire looming. It was actually not as close as what we thought, but it was night time and it's fires so at, hard night, to tell at night. Oh my gosh, they just look so terrifyingly close. Yeah. And so anyway, we undid that and, and it was fine. And we got to my parents-in-law's place and, and then I was like, where's Josh? <laughs> she was like, he's out fighting the fire with all the other guys, of course. <laughs> and I was like, well, I called Triple O and they wanted to talk to me for like 10 minutes about how the fire started. And I, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know how the fire started. I was just looking at the fire. <laughs> and so Josh, after this whole palaver, Josh was like, yes, we don't ring Triple O in a fire. Yeah. We all ring radios, neighbours, and we all do it ourselves. Yeah. But it was my first experience with that and I just couldn't believe that yeah, people look after themselves yeah. out here. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Yeah. So do you now have pliers in your car for, <laughs> or a toolbox for any situation like that that comes up? I actually feel I need to do a reel about this. Yeah. I need to be a bit more organised. Yeah. I do have a few cool things in my car. Like, a this sounds bad now, like a knife and some duct tape. Everyone needs a knife and Like, what do I need duct tape for? Awkward. Everything. Got some zip ties, you know, yeah. just random things. But I actually, um, a little toolbox is, is what I need. But the car does have its own little toolbox. But yeah, yeah I always think that country cars yeah. are usually full of very useful things. Very useful yeah. things. Yeah. 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 But no, I need to be more organised in mine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a pretend farmer's life, yeah. really. No. <laughs> I'm not doing well. <laughs> and I, I love that um, most cars out here have like at least a little first aid kit. Yeah, oh, yes. I've got like two first aid kits yeah. for sure. That's always my go-to. And I like that I've got a two-way aerial and a phone aerial. So I always feel like roughly I could probably contact a truckie if I needed yeah, to. You know? needed to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My sisters laugh at me because I've got like this 10-litre goon sack the of water. water. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't ever want to run out of water, whether yes. it's for the car, whether it's for the kids. Yeah. 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 The water is such a big one. And um, yeah, I take water with me everywhere I go, yeah. for sure, as yeah. most of us do. So Steph mentioned just then that um, she does reels. So if you haven't seen <laughs> her Instagram page it's well worth checking out I will link it in the show notes below but Steph tell me a little bit about your reels okay well I about a year ago I decided to try my hand at affiliate marketing which is just when you affiliate with a product and then when you sell that product you take a cut and so from joining that company who actually work in water they're called a magic and they have like a water ionizer yeah. so that's what I have on my um, kitchen bench which I love and um, they teach you about personal branding yeah. and how to build a personal brand and I was talking to my sister on the phone and I was sort of like well I really want to do this but I don't know what my personal brand is you know what what's interesting about me and she was just like your life is ridiculous I think that's what it should be and I was like what do you mean she's like babe yesterday you told me there was a brown snake in your hallway like, that is funny yeah. that you had a brown snake in your hallway. 
It was only a baby, to be fair, but still, it was in my hallway, which was enough for me. And she was like, that's just, not many people's lives are like that. Like, she's like, that could be your personal brand. So all of a sudden, I started seeing the farm through these lens of, or this lens of just the humour behind the sort of rather extravagant lives that we live. Yes. And the unusual nature of the things that we go through. And so I started making little videos about it. Yes. Yeah. And they are quite useful and they are quite <laughs> funny. I don't know that they're useful. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know much about farming or you've moved to the farm for the first time, um, you can get some comedial relief out of it because a yeah. lot of it is very day-to-day. -day. Um, yeah. Sometimes you might feel really stressed and then you see the real and you see the funny side of it. Oh. So it's it's a great channel to That's watch. Cool. Yeah, thank um, you. And I very much like the the reels that you do between like what other people see versus the reality. <laughs> and <laughs> or um when you're trying to, you know, get out the out the door to do the the school run and you know, right before you leave, you're always guaranteed you're going to be asked to do something. Oh, yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, it is. It's pretty funny. And just, I think it's so important to be able to have a laugh at it. Yeah. Because you're right, some days it feels so stressful and those problems that everyone is dealing with are very big. They're yeah. very big problems. And a lot of farming families, yeah, they, they carry a lot of stress on their shoulders. And so we always just hope that yeah, it, it will be taken in that way that yeah. we we honour and love our country life, but we just felt that we could add some comedic relief yeah. to to the yeah. the community, I guess. Yes. Yeah. So I came from a, a small farming background. So when I moved to the farm, um, I understood the name, like learning the paddock names. I oh, understood yeah. that part of it. But then trying to find directions <laughs> to where they are when you're very new on the place. Yeah, it's so And hard. having to follow landmarks and north and south and yes <laughs> oh my gosh north and south like i i can do it in it like i we had an emergency where we had a fire on our place and it was my job to be on the radio directing the yeah. guys coming to help as they came through the through the fence telling them which direction yeah. to go so in that very isolated circumstance i was all over it yeah but if somebody asked me to tell you which way north was now <laughs> i'll be like what time is it it's yeah. the sun yeah yeah you know it's just whereas to all the men on the farm it yeah. just seems to come nat naturally <laughs> to them yeah <laughs> i can just tell yeah. you and you know i feel that is a skill i must brush yeah. up on definitely. my favorite is when they say it's the 80 acres but you're like which 80 acres? Because there's multiple 80 acres paddocks. I love it. No, we, we don't have that one. Like, we have one ad, one paddock called yeah. 500 acres because it happens to be, be that 500 amount. 500 acres, yep. But they would never tell me the paddock. But they've all got names. And, yeah, and the funny names. Like, one, one of our paddocks' names is Death Paddock because we had a huge... In a good season, we had, like, six or seven cows go down from blow. Yeah, and my kids are like... Why is this called death paddock? Why do you want and to put I, a cattle in it if it's called I, death paddock? I have to explain. <laughs> a lot of cows died here one yeah. time, you know. Yeah. So, and they just then they get these names from the circumstances that happen yeah. around them. But if you haven't been privy to those circumstances at the time, it's not as memorable for you. No. So you're like, well, what is Charlie's paddock? Who got happened? Yeah, because that's the day. Remember, Charlie got bogged, and then we got the tractor and the bulldozer, and, <laughs> and then you're like, I wasn't here for that. <laughs> no. Okay, it's Charlie's paddock. So anyway, yeah, paddock. That's a good one. But not paddock, real, I feel. <laughs> I do. Yeah. 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 We're trying to find things I oh, think yeah. should be one. Like oh, yeah. 
the lunch boxes and water bottles and things like that never come back to the house and it's kind of feel like it's our job to go and find them. Yes, which I feel is such a stitch up. <laughs> I don't think it is our job. Because I'll actually, during harvest when we've got multiple guys working for us, yeah. the rule is you bring your lunchbox back or it doesn't go out the it next day. Get and it's amazing how quickly they will learn to bring them back yeah. if that's the case. So can you tell me a little bit about we've mentioned that your role in the farm has changed since having kids on the farm so can you tell me how many kids you have their age and what a, a rough day or weekend looks like with the kids on farm so i've got three children eight and four and um as we were talking about before it usually just revolves around getting them to school and back but then my four-year-old's still at home so <clears throat> if it's a competition competition between staying home with Myself or going with Josh. Josh always wins yeah. every time. So Harry, my youngest, is just all about the farm. I've got two two girls, and then my youngest is a boy. And they, the girls, liked the farm, but Harry is obsessed, yeah. obsessed with anything with wheels and anything that moves. Yeah. Like he is just, yeah, he just, he's, it's in his heart. <laughs> so yeah, and then on the weekends, we actually try really hard. It's one of the things that we've been quite strict on ourselves about doing so on the weekends we uh, we're a christian family but we didn't sort of um feel like we gelled with any church yeah. around so we started our own like it's not really church but it's just like a little bible study and we call it fireside chat and we just have this beautiful outdoor fire and we sit around that on saturday morning so that's kind of how we spend that our saturdays is our really special family day that we just take time to stop everything Josh doesn't work on the farm, I don't do any work on the business online and we just purely spend time with our kids, teaching them about God and just being together as a family. And then we have multiple other families that zoom in to that oh, beautiful. Um, fireside chat too, which is really lovely, including my family, but then a couple of friends as well, which is really nice. And so it's just kind of become this ritual that we do now. So it does take us out of that weekend sport game, but we're quite happy for that at the moment too, because the kids are still so young and we just... You know, we just feel like traveling every weekend. I don't know, unless they have something that they really want to do and they're loving, that's fine. But for now, while they're still young, we're just happy to yeah. spend time together at home on the weekends, actually just try and minimize the amount of travel time that yeah. we do. That's one thing that I pulled back on this year with the traveling away for sport on the weekends. Any yeah. home game, I am there. Yeah. The kids are there. We're all set up. We're ready to barrack on. Yeah. But we won't do all the traveling away games. Yeah. That's been really good to have that back. Yeah, I think you have to set those boundaries. Otherwise, you just find yourself run ragged, you know, and you get to Monday and you think, no, we didn't even have a weekend. And, you know, and I think it's okay to, to do that. I think it's really important to feel like you can do that. Yeah, you need to. And that's how you would say you would do your, your work-life balance. Yes, that's my <laughs> work-life balance. I actually had a lady reach out to me yesterday on Instagram and asking me, you know, she's got a five-month-old baby, I think her name was Brooke. She was really lovely. And she was just asking me if I had any advice on how to survive that new baby yeah. bubble. And I, I just said, to be honest, just be okay to say no to things. Yes. Be okay to stay home and be with your baby, be with your family, and don't feel like you have to yeah. dress up and, you know, put yourself together and go somewhere. Yeah. And it's nice to do those things if you feel like you've got the energy for it, for Absolutely. sure. But, you know, if you haven't slept that night... You know, don't get in the car and drive an hour one way somewhere or yeah. two hours one way. Just, you, it's okay to take that time and honour that very, very short amount of special time that you have with a newborn because yeah. it goes so quickly. It does. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's sometimes learnt 
um, with multiple kids or the longer that you're a parent because yeah. my first was a baptism by fire. Yeah, like, okay. Day five, I'm on the bike mustering with my newborn strapped to my chair. Yeah. By We're in the middle of the drought, so, you know, by day seven, I'm in the front of the the ute feeding out and no. that's all we did every morning yeah. from sun up till lunchtime yeah. was the feed run yeah. and then we started our day yeah um and then my second was a harvest baby so yeah <laughs> i had both yeah. and we were running meals and yeah. it was a it was a lot and you do miss out on some of those just little moments of just sitting yeah. and watching and i think women in particular are like Man, they can do a lot. Like I've got friends who muster with their kids so often, two or three kids yeah. with them strapped to them, and and I'm I'm in awe. Like I am really in awe. Like uh, the pressure on me to do that in my farming situation is not like it is for a lot of women because there's so many men. Like they don't need me. You know, they're all over it. There's the brothers and the dad, and you know, it's sort of it's not a just a husband and wife yeah. partnership. So because we have that, I I just was never under too much pressure to do that. But I know so many women who do, and it's incredible. Yeah. It really is incredible, and I always take my hat off to them because yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Some days I was flat out just putting a load of washing on, yeah. let alone getting on a motorbike with my baby yeah. and probably breastfeeding at the same yeah. time. Like, yeah. You can do that while you, you drive. Can do that. <laughs> yeah, you can. Not on public roads. Not on public roads, but I used to do that to the bus all yeah. the time. I used to feed Emmy, yeah. and Kay would be going to the bus always, yeah. always. Yeah. Every piece of sleep Yeah, oh my gosh. I don't know how, like mine is sleeping through the night every night and if they don't, I'm like, Oh babe, I, I really can't do much today because my baby's in sleep <laughs> Because I'm out, once you get out of that phase Oh absolutely. It's like when you go back into it, it's like somebody it's just shock, absolute shock. But when you're in it, it's kind of the done thing not to have sleep. Yeah. Like, what do you sleep anyway, you know? Know how much I can roughly go. Yeah. And I think that was the difference between my first and my second baby. With Eddie, I would like charter sleep like, yeah how often is he sleep how quickly can i do go and feed the dogs before i need to yeah. do something with him or yeah um whereas with mac i charted my sleep and i was like right within a 24-hour period have i had six hours yeah because oh that's gosh. how i could ask for help if i could <laughs> i yeah. had to justify i felt i had to justify asking for help so if i hadn't had six hours and 24 hours then that was mine, you cut off. Wow. And that didn't have to be all the way through. It could just be hickory people. Yeah. For me, that's how I had to ask for help. I actually talked about this on my live the other night, and I actually asked people, and some people put up their hand too. I think it's probably one of those things that women don't like to admit, not admit, but for fear of upsetting their spouse, but, you know, who have, when we feel guilty to ask for help. Yeah. And it, it's actually crazy yeah. that we would feel guilty about it about it yeah. Yeah. yeah but i think there's this you know very instinctual knowledge going on that your partner is dealing with so much as well mm -hmm. and they're sort of especially with my firstborn kate she was in the middle of the drought yeah. and it was thick like yes the feed runs every day but then the emotional stress of what that does yeah. to a farming family and then to kind of say oh well i just have this one baby and yes, I'm not sleeping, and no, I can't put the baby down, and I feel like, you know, my back is on fire all the time because, you know, of breastfeeding and yeah. all this kind of stuff. To think that you're not coping or that you have to ask for help, we kind of beat ourselves up about that. And so we're like, no, no, we'll just muscle through until it gets so bad that we're like, oh, okay, well, we've only had two hours sleep. Maybe I can ask for help now, yeah. you know? And then you're at breaking point. Yeah. sort of thing so yeah it's, it's actually such an important topic because I think women 
need to feel okay if they can't do it all. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. For us as well, we were, it was summer, so we had the farming operation and then we had haymaking on top. So, yeah. Because we run a centre pivot irrigation system where we run hay off and we cut it um, in like peak season, you're cutting it every six weeks. Wow. And so I felt like, well, he's running heavy, heavy operation, like he's yeah. dealing with heavy vehicles. I can't take his sleep away to yeah. justify, like, he's got to drive a heavy vehicle. Yeah, it's so <laughs> true, yeah. And, like, and there is a lot of truth to that, too. It's, like, it's dangerous for them to be going on such little sleep as well. And I would say to myself, you know, quite quickly I took myself out of the teaching game because I just didn't feel like I was getting enough sleep, I was being a good enough mum, and I, and I was driving completely exhausted, you know, 160Ks a day. And I was like, this is going to end badly for me if I don't take myself out. And so I did, and that made a big difference. But because I, I wasn't working, I was also feeling like, yeah, I can't ask for more help because I'm, I'm just, this is my one job, you know. And if I'm not getting this right, then how am I, like, I'm failing at everything, you know. But I think, I think what happens too is the lack, lack of sleep is just paramount. To survival, <laughs> like well, having enough sleep is paramount to survival. And when you're not getting it, you you just don't feel like a full human being. Yeah. And so then you don't cope as well as you usually would if you were getting enough sleep. Yeah. So and then you need to ask for help. Yes. <laughs> please ask for help. Yes, please ask for help. <laughs> what I had to do with my second one, I was okay with my first because she was kind of like the perfect baby. Yeah. I've shared a couple of things on another podcast that I did, and. A few women contact me and just said, oh, thanks for saying that. Yeah, and it makes a big difference. Yeah, it's, and it's amazing, like, how it does make a difference and you don't think that it will. Yeah. Or you, you just don't think about it because you just are talking with yeah. someone. And then I think, gosh, there are, there are so many beautiful women out there that might feel like this and it's so nice to have a conversation about it to make people feel seen. Yeah. Seen and heard makes a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Steph, for coming on today and having a chat with us. It has been beautifully insightful and we've had such a good time down here on the river out at Canamble. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's been beautiful to chat and I'm actually very honoured to be asked to speak with you and I've really enjoyed it. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I will add anything we've spoken about in the show notes down the bottom. So have a look at those after the show and we'll see you next time here on the farm.